Is it okay you turn off the camera and then I stick it? Oh, turn off the camera? Yeah. Do I not have a right to have the camera? I'm not giving you permission to check my face, so... Okay, are you a public servant? I'm a United Nations Security Officer. Okay. Does, okay. okay this is my city, and so I have a right to film. This is United Nations compound? Un United, United Nations. Nations compound? Yes. This is a compound? Yeah. Since Sunday evening, we took over the, this compound. This is international territory. When you step outside, it's U.S. Here is international territory. This is U.S. compound. The United Nations claims to be the champion of your human rights. Here, they are boasting about how they love the freedom of the press. But notice that in the UN Declaration of Human Rights, they claim the power to deny you any of your rights at their discretion if it doesn't fit their agenda. There were thousands of cameras filming the United Nations that day, activists, journalists, and citizens, but as soon as their security saw that one activist was speaking against the UN's agenda, she was targeted, just like the UN's Declaration on Human Rights says that they have a loophole for. Let's recap what you just saw. The UN set up a compound in the middle of Salt Lake City. The UN says they took over the building. The UN stated that the taxpayer-funded Salt Lake Palace was now international territory where US rights don't apply. The UN stated that the United States was outside the doors of the Salt Palace. And the UN, who at best should have been a guest of Salt Lake, instead acted like an invader and denied a U.S. citizen their First Amendment rights. Should the United Nations be allowed to simply claim territory in the middle of the United States and deny any U.S. citizen any of their inalienable rights? The evidence is clear that the United Nations claims of defending human rights is a complete farce. They have demonstrated their intent to rule, along with their complete lack of respect for our own citizens, for all to see, right here on our own soil. That's not all, but this has all been brought to you by your fellow elected leaders and other prominent Utah officials. The Utah legislature actually paid for them to come here and defended this international compound with your tax dollars. The mayor of Salt Lake City welcomed them with open arms, and the executives of Utah Valley University invited them here shortly after they officially signed up to promote the UN's agenda through the university. Do you know that the United Nations is already writing and passing laws that the state of Utah and Utah's cities are putting into law on behalf of the UN? If you're upset that the Utah legislature and the city of Salt Lake invited this organization to come and trample on your rights, please go right now to unitednationsutah.com and sign the petition. And then share this video on all of your social media. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more bombshell reports about the United Nations in Utah and what you can do to take back your local government. And welcome to We Are The People Radio. This is your host, Jason and... Alexia. Alexia Preston. There we go. Uh, here on... Talk 1640. Uh, you can also find us on our website, uh, wearethepeople.org. Uh, you can find us on uh, Podbeam, Spotify, all the major podcast channels on their uh, We Are The People radio. Uh, you can also find us on, when we're really telling everyone, you got to find us on uh, uh, Rumble. Rumble. Find us on Rumble because eventually this stuff, YouTube, you know, has a problem with this. So when we disappear from, Rumble, from YouTube, jump onto Rumble, find us there. 
and you can find us under We Are The People UT. But, obviously, we don't even tell you the big news. New studio. New studio. So, we're really pumped. You know, the, the neat thing is, um, guess what? Utah is hungry to understand what's going on and all the corruption here in Utah. And uh, the view's been good. Thank you guys for sharing this. Uh, the content's getting out there. And uh, because of people like uh, UVO Real Estate and Commercial, or excuse me, let's try this again. Let's give a special thanks, babe, to uh, UVO Residential and Commercial Real Estate. Yes, thank you. They are making this happen. So we've got, I mean, we have some awesome businesses out there that care about freedom, that care about getting this message out. And they said, you know what? We got to get you guys out of that grubby studio where the lighting looks horrible and the sound, nobody can hear you guys. And so uh, people like uh, UVO said, hey, let's let's do what we need to do to get you guys in a real studio. So again, thank you, UVO uh, Residential Commercial Real Estate and to our other sponsors uh, because, you know, th- th- we live in an amazing state. We really do. It is amazing. Like, we love Utah. Um, but boy... The corruption here is out of control. Well, where there is the greatest light, there is the greatest dark. Yeah, so so we, we've got to get this information out there, and people are hungry for it. So, you know, thank you to our listeners for sharing this stuff. And one of the things we're talking about today, um, and, we, and I'm really pumped to do it in this studio because, again, this is so next level. So we appreciate, uh, you know, our uh, advertisers and sponsors who are helping us do this. But It's only know, possible because our viewers, though. Yes. Yeah. But here's what's cool. You know, we've been, we've been spitting out a lot of truth, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're exposing um, just how corrupt Utah is with, with the World Economic Forum, how Cox is in bed with these guys, and how a lot of our politicians are in bed with the UN. And, you know, we tend to just get deep with, you know, assume everybody understands the level of corruption in Utah. And uh, I want to thank you to some of our listeners who have been shooting DMs and shooting notes and said, hey, you know what, would you guys mind kind of breaking things down, like who is, do a show, like who is World Economic Forum? You know, who is the UN? And uh, we played at the beginning of this a little clip of the UN, a little test, or a little, just a little clip that kind of talks about who they are and, and what their involvement is here in Utah. And what year was that from? Uh, we're going to get into that in a second. Oh, sorry. Because we, got, we have <laughs> someone super special coming on in a minute who's going to tell you that. I jumped the Cause, gun. Because I think that was about six years ago. But... Um, you know, we showed slides, and here's another slide you can see right here where you've got right on Utah's own website a picture of the World Economic Forum. Yeah, they never left. They well, never left. Well, we're talking about the UN. So, you know, this, this video, we're going to show you the rest of this video here, and at the end of this video, we are going to bring on actually who I think is one of the biggest experts in the state of Utah on, on the World Economic Forum, on the UN. We're going to bring on... Enoch Moore, yeah, doing so, the research. So let's for watch you. this clip, and then let's uh, let's let's welcome Enoch. Sounds great. Let's do it. It is obvious that we are in the midst of the most severe crisis the world has experienced since World War II. Seventy-five years ago, countries and people came together to shape the post-war global order, which brought us decades of peace increased global cooperation and prosperity to hundreds of millions of people around the world. The COVID-19 crisis has shown us that our old systems 
are not fit anymore for the 21st century. It has laid bare the fundamental lack of social cohesion, fairness, inclusion, and equality. Now is the historical moment, the time, not only to fight severe virus, but to shape the system for the need for the post-corona era. We have a choice to remain passive, which would lead to, an, to the amplification of many of the trends we see today. Polarization, nationalism, racism, and ultimately increased social unrest and conflicts. But we have another choice. We can build a new social contract, particularly integrating the next generation. We can change our behavior to be in harmony with nature again. And we can make sure that the technologies of the fourth industrial revolution are best utilized to provide us with better lives. In short, we need a great reset. We have to mobilize all constituents of our global society to work together. We must not miss this unique window of opportunity. For this reason, I'm grateful that we are joined for this announcement of the Great Reset Initiative, not only by His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales, but by representatives of international organizations business, trade unions, scientists, and above all, the young generation. Now we have the very special message from the United Nations Secretary General, Antonio Guterres. And now, <laughs> I don't know how to transition out of the clip. <laughs> you gotta figure that out. All right, well, Enoch, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, glad to be here. Yeah, we are. We're obviously super glad to have you. Um, and we're blessed for all the research because, you know, a lot of people have questions, but a lot of people are also busy. You know, it's not right. so easy to find information on the Internet, especially these days where everything's being censored and truth is so hard to come by. Or even sometimes the truth is always there. It's just drowned in a sea of so much information. Yeah, How do you interpret it? How do you understand it? And it could be right in front of your face, but meaningless. Right. And there's so much we're being bombarded with that we're like, well, which one do I need to research? It's just too much. So I'm just going to yeah. put my head back in the sand. So, so Enoch, tell us, I mean, we watched that clip with, with the UN. Um, what's going on there? What, what is the UN doing? You know, first off, Alexia asked earlier, when was that? Yeah, that was 2019 when the United Nations came to Salt Lake City and they did their civil society conference. I think it was the 68th annual civil society conference. So it's a little interesting because the UN's always in New York, and this is That's the right. first time they've done anything outside of New York, and they did it right here in Utah. Why? Correct. So why is a matter of um, can be a matter of opinion. Um, if you ask me, Utah is a strong hub for pro freedom anti UN sentiment historically. We've always been. Um, this has always been a big deal in our our, our culture. Right, it's been, our culture has been thick with the ideas of free agency, free choice, and government should be small and accountable to the people, and so forth. And very specifically, as early as the uh, as early as the birth of the UN, there were leaders in Utah that had strong things to say against them. 
very, very strong things. They, they claim they are not a peace organization. They're a war organization. Mm. And they showed their charter, you know, to, uh, to show that. And, and when there's a strong threat of constitutionalism, we have to understand that is directly opposed, uh, as actually that, that video had a, a moment where it explained that, is directly opposed to the United Nations Charter. You know, there's a, cl- uh, a clip here, and we'll, we'll show it, of, uh, for, for actually, interestingly enough, from the Deseret News, this in the 80s, quoting Ezra Taft Benson, saying well, the UN is a, a threat and people should be concerned and we should get out, quoting that the, you know, Ezra Taft Benson saying that basically calling the uh, United Nations out, saying that we have no business being there, quoting from him straight right. from his book. So you have, you know, the, the church in the past, who's obviously very big in Utah, um, very concerned about the UN. Right. And now all of a sudden we're like opening the doors to them. Yeah, there is no doubt that there is a very strong change in position. Just, you just can observe it very clear, very plainly, right? You said something earlier um, about just how young the UN actually is. So right. we're a fa- fairly long, young state here in Utah. What, what is it, the 1900s that Utah was formed? So Utah, Utah predates the UN. So how right. long has U- UN been around for? Well, the UN was a post-World War II creation, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's a pattern throughout history where people who like to rule create problems or take advantage of problems to drive a solution that they would like to see. And there was an initial attempt at world government uh, before. So we had the uh, League of Nations as a response to World War One. It didn't stick. Uh, the ideas of, of freedom and why that was a problem were not as um, they were still they were stronger in the past, and but at by world post World War Two they were able to get uh, you know the UN was able to grab hold of world government but the UN being created at that time doesn't mean the idea started at that time right this has been a long uh, idea by those who advocate world government. I mean, hasn't this always been a thing like Rome? I mean, I mean, since the Babylonian times. I mean, it hasn't always been global empires right right total world talk even pinky in the brain i mean childhood cartoons this concept is not new that's one (laughs) of my favorite lines right what are we going to do that we're fighting pinky in the brain that's (laughs) that's who's at the top of the world with with their crazy ideas and they just happen to have a bottomless pit of federal reserve notes that they can just print you know however you know the this this marxist economic uh engine that they've got to work with them and there's just no limits to the amount of tyranny that they can build when they have unlimited funds. So what I want to get into today is, first off, you know, we see the UN have this meeting. What is the significance of this meeting? Uh, <clears throat> we show the slides of, of, of the World Economic Forum and being involved, Cox being involved, many of our you know, politicians being involved with the World Economic Forum. So this is where I really am thankful to have you is help us bridge the gap. Now, <clears throat> What, what is that meeting all about? Why why is, was the UN here? Are they still involved in Utah? I hear people say, you know, I think we had a guest on our show that says UN is basically, Utah is is like almost synonymous with them. Like we're a test. They yeah. talk about us being having test cities and right. being kind of the state where they test all these ideas. So tell us, you know, who is the World Economic Forum? Who is the UN? Um, and, and why Utah? Yeah, So so I think that when they look at the world as a whole, especially the United States, they 
there are probably many test centers, but there's but Utah. If you can get Utah, if you can beat down the culture in Utah, it's like everywhere else would be easier, right? It's like the the Olympian maybe training and lifting his weights double what he actually has to when he performs, and then it becomes easier. So, so if they can beat Utah, they can crush the culture of liberty here. They can probably do it anywhere. And so I think um, that's why they c- came to Salt Lake. Um, and we have people here that just are happy to deliver us to them and be, and be part of that. Do you think it's also their interest in Utah is because we have a culture of uh, compliance of, to authority? So that is um, definitely part of how they abuse us, for sure. So like there's, there's multiple cultural threads. I think the, the cultural threat of liberty has been lost a lot to that new culture that you mentioned. And so definitely it's more of a, we believe it, it's, it goes back to this uh, LDS idea of the 12th article of faith, right? We believe in government and everyone interprets that completely incorrect. We believe in, what is it? We believe in honoring the laws of the land. Right. Right. And so everyone thinks to be a good Mormon, they need to do everything anyone in government ever tells them. And this is an ignorant reading. We actually did a video where we broke down the grammar of, of that. And and in order to interpret it the way most people do, you have to change some words around. Yeah, because it makes no sense. I mean, if yeah. I'm if I'm in a communist country, I do I believe in being in, in honoring the laws of Karl Marx, which killing right. off Christians and killing off Jews and killing off right. you know anybody that stands in defiance of tyranny. Yeah, the correct interpretation of that is when the government when the government follows the law. We will honor and support them. Well, okay. The law being the Constitution and the voice of the people. There you go. That's, and and that's, I, that's I think in America, law. in America, I believe in being in, in honoring, sustaining the supreme law Correct. of the land. And the supreme law of the land is the Constitution. And, and any law meant. that is not in alignment with the Constitution is is a threat. Right. It is something that needs to be, that, that we have the oral, the duty to stand up against. And when, and when you research that, that's exactly what the 12th article of faith was saying, is that, you know, if you defend our rights according to the Constitution, we'll honor your governing of this. Of what, but the problem is the culture doesn't don't. see it that way. The culture just sees, okay, the, the law says this, we obey. The law says put on a mask, we obey. The law says take yeah. the vaccine, we obey. And, and the so, government's there to keep me safe. So that is definitely <laughs> abused. So... So this is very much a cultural battle. It's an understanding that people have to break through the thinking of what they... These are pe- people who generally believe that have never studied the Constitution or the law, this history themselves, right? You just pick up on whatever the culture is. But it is it definitely... That part of the culture, they probably... They definitely believe they can take advantage of, and they're hoping that that will be stronger than the threat of liberty that they're trying to crush. So when I say we have a strong background of liberty, it's like not everybody for sure, but they want to crush that leftover thread of people who take that seriously with with religious belief that everyone has the right to to their rights and to choose their lives. So I have a question. So in America, there the UN is presence in only two states, as I understand, just New York and Utah. They're in every state. They're in every state. They're in our city councils. They're in our county governments. They're in our... But you have to understand what it looks like. So to say... So sure, they have a building in New York, uh-huh. right? 
And then now people, you're probably just referencing because of 2019, mm -hmm. now they're in Salt Lake. Well, right. What does that mean? Uh, how much are they in Salt Utah compared to New York, compared to other states? You like that? Sure, they're in every, they're, yeah. creeping, they're creeping their claws into everything. How does Utah compare, though, to other states? So I think that structurally they're, they're very similar in most states. It's probably comparable to population and, and a variety of things. But in Utah, they just, they're, we have more Benedict Arnolds, <laughs> I should say. Don't we know that? That best? are willing to turn us over to this new system. So what they're doing is they are creating a parallel system that the, the, U, the UN is pushing this, and around the world, it's the same problem in every country in the world, every state. Once you learn, and I'll talk about how you identify Google and identify, you can do that in any state, and you'll find the, the same infrastructure. Okay. Well, let's do this. Let's take a step back. Why don't you walk us through, because um, you talk about regional governments. What, what yeah. is, what is the, which, why don't you walk us through, what, what is? Okay, I'm going to, I think I can summarize it in uh, some pretty okay. um, distinct language here. But for anyone interested, I have a two-hour presentation on our YouTube channel that breaks it down very clearly. Okay. So any questions you have, you want to go down a different thread, understand where it comes from and, and the his full history, um, I did a deep dive on that. And we'll have that in the go down the show notes. We'll have the link to it there so you can see it right from there. Okay. But in essence, it's a very simple idea if you think about it. Our founding fathers set up a government responsive to the people. They, they tried to figure out how do we create a government that won't become tyrannical. And they said, well, if we follow certain principles and rules, this will work even considering human nature. Okay. And so they said we will separate powers, and that way the jealousy of human ambition will actually check itself. So the federal will say no to you know the legislative if they're breaking the Constitution and so forth. Like everyone is empowered checks in their, in their realm, checks yeah. and balances. And accountability. And then... And then also um, checks and balances horizontally and vertically, so state to federal to city. There are clear boundaries on where laws apply and who has what authority, Right. plain and simple. And when you stick to that, human nature can be check, kept in check in, in to a large degree, according to laws of nature and, and, and so forth. And for 200 years, let's be real. I mean, look, we, we came from the horse and plow, you know, in 5,000 years, we'd progressed, we'd progressed to the horse and plow, like very minimally. They create this form of government, and in 200 years, we're, we're, right. we, we live like emperors. So the right. form of government, I mean, empowered the middle class, the average, the average person here to, have a, to live, re, I mean, right. unbelievably well. The, the United States made the most people wealthy by the government staying out of their lives. Right. Absolutely. Right. This is not left versus right. This is Correct. this is the people versus the rulers, which is the battle that's always gone on through the through the history of this world. Okay, so that's the form of government they that, gave us. That's that's what we have. Okay. And so tyrants, the tyrants that want to rule the world, that they have so much experience in the, the countries of Europe and you know, all around the world, you've got communist forms of government in every country now, and to one degree or another, you know, various uh, iterations of it. But they ha having their eyes on the United States, how do they clobber this problem? And at the end of the day, this idea of regionalism simply undoes 
what I just explained. It removes separation of powers and it removes boundaries. So just think of that principle alone and you can start to identify this whole infrastructure. Removing boundaries, removing separation of powers, checks and balances, all of that. When that's gone, you default to just tyranny at that point. And uh, the, the, the video breaks that down a little more as to why and so forth. But that's the essence of regionalism is, is going into uh, an area and saying, hey, you, this city and this city, how about we all get together and we'll put this guy in charge? And everyone just kind of agrees. And now you start acting like that guy's in charge. You created a regional body. And if you study history also, you will find that um, witnesses to Hitler's rise in uh Germany talked about how he regionalized things. And um, the cover of the video presentation I made, Star Wars talked about the regional governors have taken over and you know, uh, and the republic is being dissolved. And so this idea of regionalism is just a typical way tyrants already know. I don't know if they have a tyrant's handbook somewhere, but the patterns don't change, right? right? And so if you want to change something, the fastest way is to create something new and then just transfer the attention away. And so that's what they've done over the last 100 years in the United States. They have been building, my, my presentation goes back to as far as 1892, when they started creating these regional bodies. And, and in the books that they were writing, they were talking about the path to world government even way back then. So before the League of Nations, before the uh, United Nations, it's just been a philosophy of a group of people that want to build world government. And before that, were they doing that in Europe? Uh, when they weren't doing it in America? So, uh, I asked because I think of like color revolutions, mm -hmm. almost like they had testing sites of where they were going to roll this out before their main target of America. Yeah, I think that this, the people who believe in this have been doing tests definitely for centuries and learning from history while they try to make us forget history. Mm -hmm. Or rewrite history. <laughs> Right, correct. They rewrite it in, in their terms. So so this is just the way um, tyrants do things because it's it's the easiest way and you can do it sly. You can you can just become friends with the existing government and then kind of create new things and that's the pattern they follow and that's what's been happening here in Utah and in, and in every... Uh, can you give us some examples? Yeah, so one of the, the clearest examples is the Utah League of Cities and Towns you have the, there's the Utah Association of Counties, there's the Wasatch Front Regional Council, there's um, dozens of major ones. And we did a show with you on that as well. We could put that in the show notes where we go a deep dive into the League of Cities and Towns. That was a great episode. Great, awesome. Yeah, so, but what's important to understand is it's not necessarily who is the UN. And you want to look around and figure out who's wearing their UN badge. You have to understand the principle you lose separation of powers and checks and balances, you are building a tyranny. So even in a small town, and if you start making deals with your neighboring towns, and there's a concern, a well, if, if it's well-intended, but there's, well, wait a minute, are the people losing their voice in their own you know, local government? And you have, to, you have to watch for the principles. You have to kind of understand, internalize it, and then be able to identify it. So even if someone doesn't have an official registration with the United Nations, they're following the principles. So I think a, an example of this, maybe you can tell us if this is an example, is <clears throat> uh, ranked choice voting. Mm -hmm. It's like, where did that come from? 
um, it feels like it's something kind of pushed in on us. And, yeah. and uh, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, and it's, I think that the pushing the flag, I don't know if that's would be a, you know, an example, but it's like the majority of people didn't want a new flag and right. yet you have legislators push it anyways. The majority of people did not ask for ranked choice voting and yet you've got it just being put in. I mean, is, are those examples of that or what would you say? I think there's always a lot of things going on behind the scenes to everything we're watching and, but culture precedes, so talking about the flag, culture precedes legislation. So by them going after cultural ideas, why did they change the name of Dixie State? Right? The, the more you can erase history and change the culture, it might be a battle today, people fighting about Dixie State, but it won't be long before people move on with their lives and forget, and 10, 20 years down the road, nobody cares about that the name changed, right? Well, it even is like a few weeks after. There's just so much we're distracted with these days that we right. forgot that Dixie was even changed. Right. So it's so easy to forget these things even Absolutely. in a short period of time. They definitely, re tyrants know they can rely on a short-term memory of the, the public, for sure. So you said sly earlier that this kind of snuck in. Um, it doesn't feel sly anymore. It feels, in fact, overt. You listen to some of the things, and I'm sure you'll get into this, that they say at the the WEF conferences and on their website and you know Agenda Twenty Thirty, it just yeah. seems over. There's no need to be sly anymore. Yeah, definitely. I be I believe they're at a point where they are not being careful. They don't care. Right. They are. They are now. They want the entire world's culture to accept all their ideas completely, and they believe okay. that they're at the point where they can pull that off. So let's let's dig into that. Who is the what is the World Economic Forum? That's a question that I've had someone ask. And what is Agenda 2030? Okay. So um, World Economic Forum. Let's, uh, okay. Those are very big questions uh, <laughs> on, on what those are. Agenda 2030 used to be Agenda 21. Used to be, you know, and then preceding that, there were the, all these UN treaties on biodiversity. And, and so it's always um, a new name for the same ideas uh, that, that we see. So, but essentially... Agenda 2030 is the, the idea of implementing world government with the excuse, uh, well, a variety of excuses, but largely environmentalism, because the, um, there's this problem-reaction-solution that we talked about where tyrants like to create a problem to sell you their solution. So the problems they have must be global in scale in order for them to offer you a global solution. Right. So what is global in scale? Well, okay, uh, the whole world is going to get melted by the sun. Let's run with that, you know. I, and the whole, used to be war. Global warming. The, um, the Climate change. There's less and less focus on war in the UN like there used to be, you know, and it's turned a lot more to the environment. I but think that's coming back, though. Well, we're already in war, so. It, it hasn't <laughs> gone away, by, by no doubt. But it used to be the overwhelming, you know, the UN is our chance for peace because it was post-World War II, and they tried to do League of Nations post-World War One. So... War was always like, let's stop all war. We need a world body to stop all the wars. Is that why they're peace officers? Correct, yeah. Mm. Right. So, uh, like in um, um, Hunger Games, peacekeepers. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It yeah, feels so, like we're living in Hunger Games. So, to understand the World Economic Forum, um, you got to understand there's a trail leading up to them. And... And so before they became popular, uh, if, you, if you followed this world government movement, you would inevitably run into a variety of, well, these guys are doing it, or these guys are doing it. You'd find different power centers. You would find um, you know, secret societies you'd run into. You hear about 
like Bilderberg, Skull and Bones, Bohemian Grove. Um, or sometimes you say it's these large tax-exempt corporations. Um, the, uh, the Pew, Pew Trust, I guess. There, there's, there's a variety of these, these uh, tax-exempt foundations, which do go back to the familiar names we see behind the scenes, like Rockefellers and, and so forth. Um, then you hear about, like, there was uh, the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations. They were like government advisory. And, um, and then world government itself. And then sometimes you would notice, hey, it's the Chambers of Commerce. They're pushing this. And so in all these different institutions, sometimes you, you kind of have a representation of private entities. Sometimes it's like, no, these are governments getting together. Other times it's business and, and economic-based. And so they're different uh, parts of society. But what we're doing now with the um, World Economic Forum is they are, they've come out and they've said, we're taking all these aspects of society we have, and we're caring about everybody's concerns at the same time. So in the past, all those power centers were, they were power centers pushing these ideas, but it was behind the scenes relationships and friendships that would really link them, link their efforts together. But now overtly, you have the, the merging of public and private. This is the essence of that destroying boundaries, like I said. Right, which is fascism. Right? It, 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 and, and a lot of people have known that as fascism. But we can also identify that as destroying um, boundaries, just like checks and balances and, and so forth. Right. So no clear boundaries. So they are out in the open saying, we can solve all these problems, but we have to merge our interests together. Civil society, they call it, versus government versus you know business and economics and then when you do that it means anyone that opposes their agenda no matter which talking point you use they've got a talk they can pick and choose which view they're gonna um, argue if you're like well are you against growing the economy aren't you a conservative don't you love business yeah. right <clears throat> or you could or they could if you're on an, well, we believe another the, side we of the believe coin. in the free market so you know if, if the corporations right. want to shut down people's right to you know, come in without having a vaccine or require a vaccine passport, the free market can do that is what they say. Uh, correct. And the problem is they're not really using the free market. They've right. mixed it's public, they mixed the force of government with private money and they want to play both fields. You know, what I also found interesting is wasn't interesting during COVID that uh, it was let's shut down every small, you know, mom and pa business. Right. That's keep independent. All and keep all the corp and grow all the corporations. So we right. saw a massive explosion of corporations who right. were obviously in bed with the government. That exploded, and, and small independent business owners, the financial backbone of this country, were crushed. Right. Absolutely. Which again, once they're once you have that, that's fascism, and then it's all of a sudden the government and corporations are working together, and so then they can use the argument: Well, don't you believe in the free market? If these corporations want to dem demand a, a passport for you to come in, who are we to stop them? Right. Right, and it's it's a it's a very dishonest. They just want to pick and choose when it's a free market mm -hmm. excuse, when it's a rights, you know, a, a public excuse for government, and and they 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 can have it both ways. And they will win if we don't understand that's their game. That's what they're doing. So, what is their game? You hear about, um, uh, you know, you'll own nothing and be happy. Right. What is the what is the end game for these people? Because a lot of it's, honestly, to me, it sounds a lot like. We need to read the book of Revelations. We need to read the block about the end of the end of time. What's going on there? That's me. <laughs> Who did that? 
But uh, no, you you read about how things are going to be like you know, you know it it the last season about the mark of the beast and you can't buy or sell without it and you and this global organization this that will run every I mean it's it sounds kind of a lot like what Agenda Twenty Thirty sure does it just sounds a lot like it. Um, There was an interview that Aaron Russo did. He was a filmmaker. Yeah, I've seen some of his Freedom to Fascism was his film. That was what woke one of the videos that woke me up. Um. And uh, I as well, by the way. So, uh, but after that video, he was approached by the Council on Foreign Relations and groomed. They wanted to invite him into their circle of influence. So just like big corporations, you know, go and and they they buy up small corporations to grow. It's kind of the mentality of of globalism as well. They, they, They find people who have some degree of influence and then will try to invite them into their circles to then absorb their influence if they can. And like, so he shared like what they do to our politicians. Yeah, like, correct. Yeah, <laughs> we've heard stories, and we won't name names of people being approached by lobbyists um, as they're getting into office. And right. It says, how do they even know who's going to be right. getting into office? So it just makes you wonder who knows and if this is preordained. I've heard of many of those stories as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, so Aaron Russo was invited uh, by one of the Rockefellers themselves, and this this interview uh, has been online for over 10 years it's been a long time 10 12 15 years and and he explained that um he actually looked i forget which rockefeller it was he looks him in the eye he's like what's the what's the point of this what are you you know he's like why do you care the, the point is to get a chip in everyone and you don't like what they're doing you turn the chip off and uh and just care just worry about your family right so so they'll take care of who joins their club as they bring them in and but you gotta be okay with searing your conscience and not caring about the rest of the world, basically. So, so um, what is the yeah. end ga- so what is, what is the end goal for these these globalists? Yeah, the I mean I, I hear people talk about population control. Sure, and you hear quotes. I mean, you hear them talk about you know control and, and being able to have you know control who has money and who doesn't have money. You hear about right. ESG, which is again it's. This example of corporations and government—if they don't like the way, where you know what you're doing, you're too politically active. They can turn off your ability to buy things and turn off your the smart things in your home. Turn off the ability right. to heat your home. What about so, even the Georgia Guidestones last year? I don't know if that's something yeah. related to that, but wasn't that one of the? That's an interesting so, story. So uh, tell us what what do you see? What is their end goal? What does that look? Well, yeah, like? the the end goal is total control, right? The you could debate, you know, how far, then what are they going to do? Just have control for like millions of years and then just live on their throne? Like, do they think it's, how do they think it's going to end? You know, but we know that right now the goal is build world government, have total control, abolish private property. Just look at the um, communist manifesto, the 10 planks of the communist manifesto. They want to perfectly implement that on a global scale. You could also read the proofs of a conspiracy by John Robeson, where he um, talks about uh, the goals of the original Illuminati, which was 1776 to 1786. They were around for 10 years, and they had a courier that was struck by lightning, and the authorities found their papers, and they had their goals listed in there, and so that's in a book. And you can align those goals with the Communist Manifesto, the, the planks, and essentially you can see that's where they're going, and ab- abolishing you know families, abolishing... Um, property rights, and uh, total control, total surveillance. You know, the scriptures talk, uh, God says, all things are before my, my eyes. Well, 
you can also see them as, you know, they see themselves as gods and they aspire to that kind of power. And so all things to be before mine eyes, they want to replicate that. That's the, their surveillance program that they can see things, know all things. They've got their AI monitoring all things. And that kind of uh, goes along with the 15 minute cities. You did an interesting right. video recently yeah. on the uh, train derailment right. uh, in Ohio. I'm sorry to go completely on a tangent here. Let's go. But uh, if maybe you could speak to that, how yeah. uh, contaminate the land. That's actually very important because this is a crazy idea that they have, that they can control everybody and everything. And it's harder to change things, uh, to change what's already there than to create new things and kind of move things there. So that's why they created the regional system and they've been moving power and influence from the federal system to the regional system. But in the same ways, physically, to go in and install all their dream surveillance in everybody's homes in every city, they're doing that to a small degree, you know, putting smart meters on homes and things. But really, they can build their dream just from the ground up. So they want to create these new districts, these new cities. They'll, they'll build them from scratch and then they'll make, them, make it cool to live there. And um, just high density, you don't need a car, you can live there, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy, right? Mm -hmm. These cities are meant to be our happy little concentration camps mm -hmm. where they want to migrate people to live there. And so as they build them, um, what's been happening recently, and this gets into how they're destroying federalism, they're... The legislature this session has granted this is these in new Utah. authorities. This is in Utah. Yeah, this is very specifically in Utah, and I argue this might even be the most important fight right now. But that can change sometimes, you know, depending on what gets thrown in front of your face. But um, they they've created these new districts. They're giving them taxing power. They're giving them the power to create their own constitutions for their own little city. And there's they they've said that if the city they live in, so let's say in the middle of Sandy, they create a new 15-minute um, micro city. Sandy can no longer make rules to govern that city. So little by little, they're, they're creating separate entities. And what this is, a good way to look at this, is what uh, Disney did over in, in Florida by creating its own city. Right. But it's not ruled by a Republican form of government or even constitutional. It's, it's right. ruled by a corporation, the right. Disney Corporation. Yeah. So therefore, if you live in that city... You live under the rules of the, of the corporation. You, I mean, you, it's outside rules. the Constitution. Right. And ironically, while we have right now DeSantis shutting that down and taking that power away from Disney. Which in, sounds great. It, it is great. Take that power away. Well, it depends yeah. who's but, then but, in charge. But, no, if you take it back to the state. But in Utah, you have them creating those freaking cities. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and it, they've been slowly doing this for a long time. We talked about other regional governments that, you know, we can find lots of examples, even in small ways, like Fox Hollow Golf Course, I think, is one. But so far, so far, course. nothing's really so, so nefarious. It's just like this is, you know, this is for your convenience. Right. But, you know, if you haven't seen, if you haven't, because we can't do a deep dive into 15 minute cities right now, but you can go back onto our uh, YouTube channel and do a search for the uh, 15 minute cities. And you, you have to watch that because yeah. they are literally building them in Utah. They've got one right here by the, the ironically, point right on the old prison they're building a 15-minute city so you think right <laughs> which the irony let's let's move the prison and what are we gonna do on the prison let's build Create a futuristic a prison. prison right <laughs> yeah you replace a prison with the prison yeah that people will flock to until once they're there boom your social credit score is not good enough you're not going anywhere you know so many of our legislators are either lawyers 
real estate agents or developers, they're directly benefiting from all this new construction and the ability, you know, like there were uh, people who own land, legislators own land where the prison was. And so by moving it, they've been working on that forever since I've been paying attention to politics, uh, you know, and this is a long plan and people are benefiting in huge ways, you know, selling us out. We have to get away from thinking right versus left. That That's part of the game and the paradigm they have us in is they're the bad guys and this is the good guys. And, and Utah, it's all Republicans. So we're all, we don't have to worry. It's the good guys. It is not right versus left. Right. It is the elites versus the masses. It's Absolutely. been the same fight throughout history. And the elites want us to pretend that there's good elites and there's bad elites. And, and we're just, right. gotta, as long as we're yeah. under control of Republicans, these right. guys will never do wrong. No, power kind of corrupts everybody. And if you study communism, you'll understand that's actually how they work. Divide and conquer is a communist strategy. When there's a video called Anarchy USA, uh, old video from, it's black and white video from the 60s, I believe. And they documented riots happening in the United States at, in the 60s. But they, they showed, uh, like, where does this come from? And so then they walk through a case study of other countries in the world that were slowly being invaded by communism and each time how it worked. And they would go into a country and they would study it and decide who are we going to pit against who? In China, it's the landowners versus, you know, the, the farmers. In, um, you know, and every country, they, they picked parties and then they send in their agents to, to sort of lead each side. And so the idea of division, divide and conquer is a communist concept, which is it's, it's what we're all it, it, to. it even starts with Machiavelli. Machiavelli was huge. That's how you rule the people. Divide them, put okay. them at war with each other. Right. Karl Marx talked about the same Art thing. Art of war. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we digress. Yeah. So <laughs> World Economic so Forum. So much to digress into. <laughs> uh, so the World Economic Forum. So on Wikipedia, this is a quote from Wikipedia. The forum suggests that a globalized world is best managed by a self-selected coalition mm. of multinational corporations, governments, civil societies, which expresses itself through initiatives like the Great Reset and Global Redesign. We, you know what, Jason? I think we should just rule the world. Let's just self-select ourselves. I mean, we know what's right? better than all those idiots yeah. out there. Like, like, we can decide for them. Like, isn't that our right to just rule the world? I mean, world? Bill Gates is kind of doing that. Yeah. So, so this guy... There's a there's a player in Utah who's a member and of is the Bill World Gates, Economic. Is Bill Gates part of that World Economic Forum? Uh, I don't know if he's officially a member, but 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 he's obviously playing into the same stuff. But part of the part of the whole trying to paint the big picture is to understand there's many globalist institutions that you know working together. World Economic Forum is kind of just one. That they're creating this new thing where they're trying to merge, openly merge, and get people to accept these these ideas. Total and, world domination. Yeah, and, yeah. and here's the crazy thing, you know, for our listeners, like. This is not like behind closed doors. Like you can do a search for World Economic Forum, Klaus, Klaus Schwab, and you can literally listen to him talk about <clears throat> before COVID, how they're going to release when COVID or what do they call it, when the next pandemic comes, this is yeah. what we're going to do. This is how we're going to react. And he then you wrote see a the book governments. Okay. And told everybody. I have a book, copy of the book here, but he. You have it on you? Yeah, I do. Sh bring it out. Let's go. Show and tell. But it's crazy. But it's crazy. You guys can get online. Like th these, these guys—they don't even do it in secret. Put it to the camera. Yeah. Show the camera, not me. Yeah. So he wrote a book. Tyrants have always written books. It's not always, maybe, but like because they're arrogant. Hitler wrote Mein Kampf, right? And 
Yeah, um, Rockefeller had writings where I don't know if he ever wrote a book. He probably did. Why wouldn't he have written a book? But you see this pattern anyway, right? They they just tell you out in the open and and this is his big plan. And I imagine this is the book he shares with other elites. Hey, look at this. This is what we're doing. But it's like you said, it's out in the open. And if you go to his website on the World Economic Forum, go to the about page, he's got a video. It's about 15 minutes where he is selling the world on why his ideas are the best idea for everyone. And and I have a, a variety of quotes on that. Like we can kind of pull out what he's telling yeah, you he's hear, doing. Yeah, let's hear some of those. Right? So um, in his own words, uh, he, he tried to explain where he came from. You know, I'm such a nice guy. I'm just a business guy. In 1970, I pioneered the book on modern management, how to manage a company, right? Sounds very friendly and business, you know, focus at first. And he says, what is the real purpose of a corporation? And so he claims to have pioneered this concept that he calls the stakeholder concept, which is that- Stakeholder capitalism? Right. And so he's claiming to be the pioneer of that. I don't know how far back that goes or definitely the idea I've heard in other forms, but he's saying that as- as a company, we have a duty not just to our our shareholders, but to many other stakeholders. So who else has a stake in our business? Well, our employees. Stop right there. That's fine, right? We should care about our employees. I think companies do that anyway. Companies know that they need happy employees to, to thrive. So that wasn't revolutionary, but he kind of lists them all. Our shareholders, our employees, and uh, uh, everyone... Um, that has a stake in the future of our business. Society itself. Society. The environment. The planet. So he goes all the way to the planet. Yeah. So if you have a company, you have a job to fix the planet. That's the extreme he takes it to. And so he created the World Economic Forum as a not-for-profit foundation, supposedly. I mean, I'm sure it doesn't make its own profit, but everybody's profiting for sure. Um, a global village where all stakeholders could interact on the most important issues. So he spent, he spent now, uh, in 1970, he started that 70, 71 or so he wrote that book in 70 and then, um, and so now he spent 50 years trying to teach this global business approach. He's certainly not alone. There's a think tank behind the scene. He's probably in who knows what, how many secret societies where he's got buddies and they're kind of doing the same thing. And, and I imagine they all just, um, I'll try according to their own skills to do these things and whoever makes the most progress, it works, you know, who knows. But this this comes from the secret societies. That's a whole other rabbit hole we've done videos on, right? The, but um, we'll, we'll just not go there at the moment. So he says in this video, the problems our world faces can only be solved through public-private corporations. And it's funny he mentions problems. Uh, I think it was actually you who said it in one of your videos, but how crisis whether it's manufactured or a climate crisis is a change agent right and what Correct. what do they yeah. want they want rapid rapid, rapid change. change so the more problems they create the faster they can change to their vision so with them with their urgency to like control the world by 2030 they would it, they would be seeking to create more problems and that was the whole train video you talked about you know, oil spill, uh, the one in Ohio with these toxic spills. I heard someone tell me that it was already kind of um, a rundown area anyway and poor. And so it's going to be really easy to say, everyone, let's just move to this shiny new happy city. 
maybe I don't know if they're going to go as far as you won't have to own anything starting now, or I don't know when that will be fully implemented, but, but it's a change agent. War has always been a change agent yeah. as well. Yeah. And we're on the, right? and we're on the verge of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, there's all kinds of plans for Ukraine in the future to be the greatest technological um, comeback post-war. And so they're going to be a heavy uh, focus of um, what maybe the rest of the world should follow along with. Right. So I'm sure they can't put us all in prisons by 2030, but they could have a few really good models of this running by then. And all the framework is there going back to what you're saying about this legislative session. Yeah. And that being the biggest fight right now is, right. is that surveillance state and what they're trying to accomplish. We've got to keep our republic so that so that we don't lose our form of government so that we even have a say. Yep. So as he talks about these problems that the world face, um, we have to understand public-private partnership. Like you said, that's fascism. That is a change from a free system to a tyrannical system. And um, so uh, the, uh, the, the problem-reaction-solution, that's kind of the pattern they've used to change the world over time. So he says, again in his video, if you go check it out, this is him selling himself to the world, how in the past there's been a clear distinction between political, economic, social, technological... But now everything is independent and woven together. The forum is the only international organization that looks at all these issues in an interconnected way. Again, saying only he can solve it. And so he has a systematic approach where he has bro broken apart his whole institution into five categories. He says uh, there's a center for global and regional cooperation. So right there, that's kind of his government sector. And he uses regionalism. Okay, uh, then a technology surveillance. He, he created a center for the fourth industrial revolution. And so this is the building of our technological prison, as you're very well, well aware of and your videos have shown. The third is the uh, center for nature and climate. Then the center for the new economy and society. And then the center for in industry transformation. So that's business. So you got business, environment, social, technology. So here, him and his buddies from the top of the world are saying we're the only ones smart enough to run the world and we are now looking at every aspect of society. You know, I'm, I'm going to pause yep. here. Because <clears throat> you talk about, you know, people who think these that, that, that humanity is a bunch of idiots. Yeah. When they when they put out so much propaganda, when they say, you know what, I'll bet we can put out this, this uh, pandemic and, and we can even change, you know, people are so dumb. Yeah, that we can that we can tell them to wear a cloth mask, which science you know knows that the, the, that these the particles are, can go right through that, and not only tell them not even wear one from the hospital, but, but they can just make anything up, and as long as they and, and get them to, and force everyone to wear that dang thing, we can even fool these people to thinking that natural immunity doesn't work anymore. Yeah, we and 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 the sad thing is, we all believe it. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, there obviously is there dis huge disrespect for humanity when they see humanity as as stupid as is you know they 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 see us as stupid, right. and they also have proven how easy it is to control us. Right, and the CDC can even come in and do an about face, and people will still believe. I mean, we the original we can we is. I mean honestly, I think we you know what I bet we can push on this whole on on society, get them to believe that there's more than two genders. You know, yes. I, yeah, I mean, and, and then they do it. So obviously, there's why would they respect humanity when humanity is, is so easily manipulated by them? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And and it's it's interesting 
I'm so if I can see why they see it that way, and they that probably justifies them even more. See, they deserve it. They 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 are dumb, right? Yeah, they're sheep. That's where they see. I it. think this is the very difference between good and evil in the world, right? The the scriptures have talked about proclaiming liberty and agency and our ability to choose from the beginning, and the number one way to make us unable to choose for ourselves is the cloud of ignorance on who are we, what, are, what rights do we have, you know, are they allowed to do this? And, and we want authority because that's the lazy way. You know, I'll just, I'll just follow one religious leader, and as long as I just do what he says, I'll make my way to heaven. Yeah, I don't I'll, have to, I'll be I don't part have to think design. for myself. Yeah. I can just trust my freedom, my that's, salvation, whatever it is to someone else to make those decisions for but me. But at the same that's time, that's why you humanity look, struggles to maintain freedom. But then you look at Utah, I mean, literally a, a culture where they have a handbook on what the, these secret combinations. So I, it should be yeah. the state where you're most awake to the fact that maybe, hey, and maybe it used to be, it used to be, it's changed. And, and that's part of that old culture. I told you they're trying to crush the last remnants of if they can get away with it for sure. So, um, uh, David O. McKay uh, made a statement that in the past, or that the battle between good and evil is, can be defined today as domination of the state or the liberty of the people. And so the founding fathers understood this, right? They understood that this was a revolutionary way to think that people can govern themselves compared to how the nations of Europe have uh, historically tried to do. Of course, there was a lot of history to that, and it's not black and white, but um, that is that is the very difference. So, yeah, they probably laugh, and this is how we lose our souls by not believing that we have the right to live free. It feels very spiritual to me just from that perspective. Yeah. So we're, we're getting a short time, and I know I've been. there's a lot of ground to cover here. Yeah. So what other important elements should our listeners and, and viewers understand about the World Economic Forum? What yeah. should they be aware of? Yeah, I think the most important things are understanding this claim of regionalism and public-private partnerships that this is they are pushing this idea. So when you see it in cities and your legislation, somebody is pulling that from the World Economic Forum. And no doubt um, we've, we've found a few names in, in Utah for that. Um, let's see. Let's go through these. Um, so he says he's building this new kind of uh, international organization. Um, they say that they're blending the mission and orientation of NGOs, not, uh, which is non-government organizations, the creativity of academic institutions, the entrepreneurship and efficiency of business enterprise. And, and so they even split up their board. They have a board of directors that represents those three categories, one-third from from each of those, and that's why there's such an attack on the education system right now. Right, definitely, they're, and this is why they're so good and laser focused. They can execute so well. They are running it like a business with limited resources because that's you know what they are. But they're using the power of law to to implement their ideas. They also have a strategic uh, alliance with the United Nations, where they say that's an in, an important factor in linking with world government. So. So that's where the UN comes in uh, very distinctly. He says we have this agreement with them. And so world government can link with all their ideas, and it's, it's just an all-out uh, assault. So, um, okay, so what's important to understand is how, how you, like, 
how do you fight this? How do you get on top of it? Right. And that was the whole point of why the founders gave us a constitution. And it really is, it sounds cliche, but it really is our ignorance of what that document is and what the principles are that are allowing them to win. And um, I go into that in a couple of my other videos on solutions and how we resolve this. I have about four hours of video on what to do about it. But here, just briefly, okay, when, when uh, any government officer gets elected, they raise their hand and they take an oath to the Constitution of the United States and the state of Utah in Utah. And what that's doing when they do that is they're putting themselves to their highest loyalty is to the words of the Constitution, and those words represent the voice of the people. The voice of the people isn't every phone call they get. You know, you should vote for my bill. You should do this. That actually leads down the path of mobocracy, right? right? So what is the voice of the people if it's not the mob? Well, a long time ago in the United States, the people got together, and they, they debated these ideas, and the voice of the people is the words of the Constitution. And so... Um, at the end of the day, our representatives are supposed to represent that. In that document, it has uh, clauses that specifically say all these things that are happening are a violation. They're against, they're illegal. You have to preserve a Republican form of government. And so um, that is, uh, let's see, Article 6, Section 28 of Utah Constitution, for example, says, you shall not delegate to any special commission, private corporation, or association any power to perform municipal functions. So you cannot create a new body that is not the government itself that can be the government. It's right there right. in black and white, and we should be screaming this in our representative's ear day and night. So, and, and again, this is happening in Utah right now already. It's happening. It's been happening for a long time. And, and, and that's the years, thing that always yeah, ticks me happening. off is like we have representatives who swear an oath Right. Or the people and God to to honor and uphold the Constitution, and yet they trample it. And they're really good at making excuses. If you you know approach them, you know things like, well, the Constitution can be interpreted different ways. Whose interpretation do we follow? Gosh, well, ask the courts. And there there's all there's like a dozen or two canned answers you'll get once you've been in politics long enough, and you see they're recycled. There's clear training going on behind the scenes on how to deal with, with pushback on things. And so it's about, no, you can't re-delegate that power. Stop it, you, you know? And um, another line, Article 11, Section 7, Special Service Districts. So they've created all these new districts. And so... The Constitution has defined, okay, if you're going to create new districts that are not political subdivisions, right? Well, they can create cities or counties, and they basically inherit the powers of the state or whatever they give them, but they also inherit the limitations that people placed on the state. So cities can't violate your rights any more than the state can. But, but they said, okay, you can create special districts so long as they are governed by the governing authority of the county, city, or town. Essentially, they can just be more subdivisions, but that keeps the people always uh, in, in control. And then um, the last thing is Article 12, Section 20. This is a free market clause. Um, and I have an article on my website that breaks this down really well. So if people go to my website, defendingutah.org, and they look at this, this last article um, that I did on, um, and now the title's eluding me. But, um, uh, oh, yeah, it says changing our form of government, okay, that, the, gov that this, the legislature just did this. I break this down really well. But essentially, this 
says a free market system must govern trade and commerce. And what they're doing is they're creating contracts that restrain trade. And this was done, this was put in place and purpose to, to protect our Republican form of government. It's right there in black and white. So <clears throat> I really want to thank you for coming on. And I, I really love this. And, and the thing that sticks out to me is, you know, what can, what can we do? You know, what can you do as, as a, someone, a, a lonely person at home that's by yourself? What, what power do you have? Um, and I just think, I, always, I know I say this a lot, but, it's, but, it's, <clears throat> but it is meaningful. Yeah. You think of the story of the emperor um, who wears no clothes. Right? His power came from the illusion came. Everyone went along with the fact that he was wearing he was naked, but everyone pretended that that he was wearing clothes because no one wanted to admit that they were dumb and they could that they couldn't that he was naked. But as soon as one person had the courage to call out that he was naked, all of a sudden everybody laughs and he loses his power and he's embarrassed, he's humiliated. Yeah, tyranny only works when the masses go along with it. You know. You know, and, and that's where Alexander Schultzenson says, you know, one person who tells the truth can bring down a tyranny. The fact of the matter is, <clears throat> powerful people, it's a quote I love, powerful people cannot afford to educate the people they oppress. Because once you are truly educated, you will not ask for power, you will take it. You know, what you've shown here, and, you know, going back to the very beginning, full circle, we do believe in honoring and sustaining the laws of the land. What is the supreme law of the land? It is the Constitution. Right, right. Okay. That's what we honor. Who's, the Constitution is meant to do one thing. It is not meant to bind you and I. It is meant to bind our politicians Correct. because the greatest threat throughout history has been people in power who oppress and slave the masses. Right here, Enoch gave us a very clear example of what the, of the Constitution of not only the United States, but of Utah when your legislators are breaking that by creating these districts, by creating these 15-minute cities, by creating a police state, they are breaking the supreme law of land. If you believe in honoring, sustaining the law of the land, you have a God-given duty to defend it for your children. And they're breaking it's, their oath. An oath is something that's really I think we forget the power of an oath. Perjury. That's right. And whose responsibility is it when someone breaks the supreme law of the land, which is the government, is, is again... It was to chain the government and keep them small and out of our lives. When the government breaks the supreme law of land, whose responsibility is it to rein them in? The answer to that is it's ours. It, but in a system of checks and balances, it would be one of the other. Uh, uh, but the ultimate authority. But the ultimate authority is is we the people. Absolutely, that right. is the ultimate yeah. authority. And because when the checks and balances do not happen, it is our responsibility. So what is your response? What is what can you do? First off, thank you. You know. Enoch, Enoch's a, a regular, we're all regular people. We're just people. We're just citizens. None of us have political, you know, we are just people who see a problem and say, you know what, we're going to stand up. And that's what you can do. You can share this content. You can get on and study the World Economic Forum. Get online and read what Klaus, Klaus Schwab is talking about. Watch his videos. I mean, it's all there. The information is there. Look it up. Get, in, get informed. Get educated. Knowledge is power. Share it with your friends. The last thing they want, this is why they try to suppress these voices. This is why we're getting banned on YouTube and getting strikes all the time on YouTube. They don't want this information out. You can stand against the machine by getting this information out. And I want to thank, you know, and you can help. You can help these organizations. You can help Defending Utah. You can help, you know, support what we're doing, whether it's, you know, like, um, you know, whether it's buying gear, whether it's donating, or whether it's, you know, great companies like UVO helping out. We can fight. 
We always talk about freedoms, but there's another side of the coin, and that's duty. We have a God-given duty to stand and defend these freedoms for our children. And if we don't stand and defend it, I can promise you one thing. Your politicians sure as hell won't do it because they're too worried about getting what's coming in their pockets. They're too worried about climbing the political structure and, and staying in office. That's what they care about. They don't care about freedom. They don't care about the Constitution. Obviously, they're trampling it. So, look, we're going to win. The light, this is a battle of light and dark. But it will only win, we will only win when enough of regular people stand up and do their part. So, Alexia, any closing words? No, I think, uh, I think you hit it all. I mean, you know, I was just thinking back. We were talking about an oath. And this is something that hit me when we had actually Dr. Kirk Moore on the show a few weeks ago. Yeah. And with what he's doing and uh, Hippocratic Oath that he upholds yeah. as a doctor. Right. And they're actually coming after him right now right. for upholding his Hippocratic Oath. And just the irony of that when you look at the, our politicians locally and, and nationally breaking their oath on a daily basis. Why aren't we putting them under the persecution that Dr. Kirk Moore is under right now? Amen, baby. All right. Well, thank you guys all. And, and again, thank you. How awesome is this? And, and thanks for everyone for participating. Thanks for watching. Thanks for sharing and allowing us to step up our game so the audio sounds good so you can actually see us instead of us looking all crazy back here. You were purple. I was purple. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm not really purple in real life. So purple, there we go. Purple lives matter. So <laughs> anyway, thank you guys. God bless America. Uh, this is still the greatest country and the greatest time to be alive in the history of the world. And this is the time we find ourselves in. And we have a choice to sit on the sidelines and be victims of, of what's happening or to shape the world and be remembered forever. And, uh, man, great dark times bring out great people. So, anyways, stand and fight. God bless you. God bless America. Until next time.